Who's ready to go on a mission today? You ready? All right. Three of you. Cool. All right. No, I'm kidding. Uh, We are so glad to have you. If you're visiting with us, my name is Rusty. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're really glad that you're hanging out with us. We are in a series that is about using everything that God has given us for the sake of the gospel, to advance his kingdom purposes. So if you have a copy of God's word, you can open it with me. We'll be in Acts chapter 3 in the New Testament, Acts chapter 3. So imagine with me, it had been 40 days since the most incredible event in human history. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, had been bloodied, beaten, crucified, and hung on a cross, and ultimately killed. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And Jesus rose from the dead, victorious over sin and death. And that was a game changer, if ever there has been a game changer. So Jesus rose from the dead, and the Bible tells us that he actually spent about 40 days with his followers. I think usually we're like, up from the grave, he arose, and then he like disappeared and went to heaven, right? But the Bible says like he hung out for 40 days with his followers, talking to them about what it means to live for his kingdom's sake. And right before he ascended into heaven, we have in Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 1, the same story told from different perspectives, but basically the Great Commission. If you have a church background, you've heard that before. This is the Great Commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, when we've heard that phrase in the past, I think we've very quickly thought immediately about the global mandate we have to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And let me just affirm that. Yes and amen. God has called us to be people who take the gospel to the entire planet. But there's something really interesting happening there in the original language in the Greek text. That word go is actually a participle which considers that there's continuing action happening there. You don't care about the grammatical. Things. Let me just tell you what that means. A very literal translation of this passage would say, as you go, make disciples. So don't miss this. Jesus, right before he ascends into heaven, takes time to tell his disciples this. As you go, as you are going throughout your life and throughout your days, as you go to school, make disciples. As you go to work, make disciples. As you walk through your neighborhood, make disciples. As you go to lunch today, make disciples. Some of you are ready for lunch. I can tell already, all right? I had a donut in between services. I'm good. I can preach for hours. Nobody amen that. All right, cool. Uh, Cool. Just wanted to see where we're at here. So we just every time we go, every place we go, we want to be making disciples and be intentional about taking the gospel with us. Now, some of you, if you were honest right now, would say, Rusty, that makes me really uncomfortable. The idea of having to take the gospel to other places and that I have been charged and commissioned to do this. It makes you a little nervous. Well, guess what? The disciples were a little bit nervous about that, too. Their leader was about to leave and as he was about to ascend into heaven, I want to remind you of something he reminded them. In Matthew 28, he said it this way, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And in Acts chapter 1, in that same context, that same conversation, he said this, wait for the Holy Spirit, the helper will come. So friends, I want to remind you as we enter into this everyday mission together that the call is to take the gospel with us everywhere we go while relying on the Holy Spirit of God to lead God and direct us where he would have us go. 
to take everything we have, everything God has blessed us with in this life, and use it to advance his gospel in our world today. Last week we learned this, that if you're a Christ follower, you are a missionary. Did you know that? If you're a Christ follower, you are a missionary today. God has uniquely created you, gifted you, put you in this station in life to advance God's kingdom. Let me say it this way. Everyday mission isn't just a sermon series. This isn't just something we're doing for a little bit. Everyday mission should be who we are. If you are in Christ, this should be the defining of your life is that we are on mission for Jesus. So this is what we're doing as we are led by the spirit. As we go, we want to impact the world for Christ. And that's what this series is all about. And we're going to see a passage that shows us a very practical example of how we can do that today. Are you all right today? I came out and started yelling. That video got me hyped. All right. Just wanted you know, the music was too intense. I was ready. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, this is me hyped. So there you go. (laughs) It's like the bar is very low for he's hyped, uh, clearly. Acts 3, are you all ready to read the Bible? Let's just do this. (laughs) The word of the Lord, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, so in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate, the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them to receive alms or money. Verse 4, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. He thought his bid had worked. He said, hey, can I have some money? They said, hey, look at me. And they thought, oh, he's about to get a payday. Verse 6, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. You're not supposed to run in church. All right. No, okay, sorry. Just, uh, just going to tell you, you know, we, we love to have kids here in this church and they enjoy themselves here at church. And we love that, by the way. Uh, so just throwing that out there. Verse nine, all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Will you pray with me? Jesus, as we open your word, we don't want something that just makes us feel smarter. Uh, We don't want just to get more information today. But, Lord, our desire is that we would hear your word so clearly that we couldn't help but respond to it. So, God, I'm asking you to do what only you can do, and that is speak to us today. We're listening. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, just to kind of set the scene here, Peter and John are in the midst of this movement that is the church, like literally the church. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about Crossroad. I'm talking about the global church. Jesus had just ascended to heaven and the church is starting literally right now. And it started where Jesus ascended to heaven. And like I reminded you earlier, he said, wait for the Holy Spirit. 
So they go, they're waiting in a room, waiting for the Holy Spirit, obeying Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes down, and we have this incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. The people are there gathered for a festival from all different nations, and the people leave the upper room, and they go out, and they begin to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people in languages they didn't even know. A pretty miraculous thing happening there. Speaking in tongues they did not even know to share the gospel so that people would come to Christ. And on that day, thousands of people are saved and joined the church. And at the end of Acts chapter 2, it says, day by day, God was adding to his church. And Peter and John are two of the leaders of this movement. Here's what I love. Two leaders of a huge movement movement that would just blow the minds of pretty anybody. Imagine if we were to open a church today and a couple thousand people were here next week, right? That would be newsworthy. It would be a huge deal. But this is what's happening, yet we don't see Peter and John doing what you would think these guys would be doing. They're not firing up a podcast or a YouTube channel about how to grow your church. They're not going and trying to get some fog machines for their church services. What are they doing? No, we We find them just going through their everyday lives, but going on mission for Christ. So we see them going to the temple to pray. This is something that the Jews would do. They would gather the temple at set times to pray. I love this, by the way. Two leaders of the early church taking time out of what had to be a crazy schedule. Like, I mean, it's safe to say we we have like 400, 450 on a Sunday and probably six or 700 who come once a month. And we run constantly trying to keep up and shepherd the flock well. I can't imagine a couple thousand people who just showed up, right? Yet in the midst of this movement, what are they doing? They take time to go and pray. Friends, let me just tell you just a sidebar here. You don't have time not to pray. It's so easy to be like, well, I'm just so busy. I don't think you're as busy as these guys. I'm just going to point to that. But I'm also going to say that the reality is, is you are too busy to not pray. You can't read through the book of Acts without seeing that prayer was one of the foundations and hallmarks of the church. I'll just tell you, it's interesting. People oftentimes will be like, why doesn't God move like he did in the book of Acts? Why don't we see more stuff happening like we saw happening in Acts? I just don't understand that. And here's what I always want to say. When was the last time we had an all-night prayer meeting? When was the last time that I preached so long that a kid fell out of the balcony and we had to resuscitate him? That's stuff that happened in Acts, all right? Like some of you are like, this church is weird, right? It's stuff that happened in the book of Acts. They are gathering together. They are praying. They are begging God to move in a special way. I believe that one of the reasons we don't see God move in the church today like he moved in the early church is that we are not crying out and asking him to move. We're not praying and saying, Lord, help us. That's a sidebar comment that's another sermon for another time, so I'll preach it on another day, all right? But if we're going to continue to call ourselves a church, prayer must become the foundation and the heartbeat of who we are. So Peter and John are walking to the temple to pray, and as they are going, they encounter this crippled man who has been crippled from birth. What would you do in that situation? You've probably encountered situations not where, maybe not this exact situation, but where you walk by and somebody says, hey, do you have any money? Perhaps you would have just walked by and pretended not to hear him. Uh, Maybe you would have said, come on, man, it's uh, AD 33. Who carries cash anymore, right? Uh, Maybe you would have said, "Uh, I've got a couple bucks. Here you go. I don't know how you would have responded in that situation. 
But Peter and John stop and they say, look at us. It's kind of weird, right? I don't, don't try that, okay, this week. Like if somebody uh, asks you, don't say, look at me, <laughs> right? That would be weird. I can do that in this setting and it's okay, but don't do that one-on-one. It just gets awkward, okay? I guess I do that with my kids. <laughs> look at, look at me, right? Like it happens. So Peter says, I don't have money, but what I have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. He says that he picked him up by the hand. Just as I was reading that now, I was struck by physiologically what, what Jesus must have been doing. That he said his legs and ankles and feet were made strong in that moment. And for the first time, he stands up and it said that he leaped. He was leaping through the temple. He is running around. And this man probably for years has been at the same gate asking for money. And now he is running around and celebrating. I'm sure there was quite a commotion. And what we see in the midst of this is that Peter and John leverage this opportunity and God opens a door for Peter to preach another strong gospel message and once again, God adds many, many people to his church. Now listen, you may be thinking right now, and you're correct to think this, I'm not an apostle. So, so what am I supposed to do? I want to remind you of something this morning. The same Savior that was working in and through Peter and John is the Savior that works in and through you today. I want to remind you of a truth that you need to hear that's extremely simple, but it's important to be reminded of it today, and it's this. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Very simple, but I want us to kind of think about this from two directions. The first direction is this. Jesus is mighty to save you. Jesus can save you today. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far away you feel like you are. The reality is is that Jesus stands ready to save you today. We've said this before, but for some reason when we read passages like this, we tend to kind of give ourselves what I would consider the high ground, right? So uh, we read this and we immediately say, so how should we respond when we meet people like Peter and John met? And, and while we are getting there here in just a few moments, can I just take a moment to remind you of something? We're the crippled man. Every single one of us. We're the people who are sitting at the gate asking for anything and everything from the world to try to sustain us, fix us, and help us. But nothing will heal us. Nothing will help us. Nothing can save us. No one can save us apart from Jesus Christ. And until we experience him, until the name of Jesus comes to us, we will not be saved. The only one who saves is Jesus Christ, the only name given under heaven by which men may be saved. The name above all names, the same name that raised a crippled man to walk can raise the dead to life today. Do you believe this? If you don't know Jesus, I I just want to ask you today to consider what it means to surrender your life to him. I know that in a crowd this size with guests here today, I don't know where you're at. And I even know that those of you that I know really well, we can come to church our whole life, but not really know Jesus. Do you know him today? Do you have a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ? If you don't, can I just tell you something? He loves you so much that he knew that this moment would happen where you would be hearing the gospel. 
Jesus loves us so much, even though we sinned against him and decided to go our own way, to go our own direction, the Bible says he loved us enough that he came and lived a perfect life, yet he died on the cross. And when he hung on the cross, the Bible says that the punishment for your sins and my sins, past, present, and future, were poured out upon Christ, and he paid the price for our sins. So when we call out to him and we say, Jesus, I need you to be my savior. Would you save me? When we call out to him in that very moment, the Bible says that our sins are wiped away and we have the relationship with God restored that we were created to have. You know God in a real and personal way and this stops being religion and it becomes a real relationship with a real living savior. Do you know Jesus today? If you don't know Jesus today, I just want to beg you to not leave this place without talking to somebody about what that looks like. Jesus saves today, and it doesn't matter who you are or where you've run to. He is speaking to you today and telling you to come home. Jesus saves. But on the other side of this, I think a lot of people believe that, and they yet, yes and amen, Jesus saved, and you would say, uh, Pastor Rusty, I'm saved, I know Jesus, he's my Lord and my Savior, but I think sometimes we struggle to understand that Jesus saves, and he wants to use us as an instrument to reach others. So, Jesus saves, yes and amen, but Jesus is going to have to handle them, because I'm out. I don't know what I'm doing, you want, you want to use me, Jesus? I don't know how that works. If you were Peter and John, would you have kept walking by this man? I think I would have been like, bless his heart. I mean, I feel bad for the guy, but I don't, what can I do? Yet they knew that Jesus was mighty to save. I'll admit that I find myself in this category far too often. I'm not saying that we need to try to heal every person we see with an infirmity, but can I just tell you this? When I encounter people with real problems whether it's physical problems or even uh, spiritual problems, those are scary moments for me because I am faced with my inadequacy in a very real way. And as a pastor, I'm thrown into those a lot. You know why? Because you don't like those moments either. So when you get into them, you call me. Right? Can I tell you something? I feel the same way you do. All right? Does that make you feel real good now? All right? You're like, we need to call Pastor Rosa. He doesn't know either. You're going to know now, right? But I'll find myself in situations where it's like, how can I handle this? What can I do to help? I don't know what to do. The reminder for you, if you're like me, the reminder for us today is that you can't do anything. But, friends, Jesus saves. Can I introduce a phrase that would be helpful for you to memorize? A phrase that's worth putting in your head and your heart. I can't. Jesus can you say that with me? I can't. Jesus can. I'm going to make you do that one more time because that was bad, all right? We were all over the map. I can't. Jesus can. Thank you, Holly, leading from the front. I appreciate that. We need to understand that we can't save, but Jesus saves. I can't heal, but Jesus can. You can't change someone's life, but Jesus can. 
Church family, it's time that we stop limiting ourselves to what we can do and instead open our eyes to what Jesus can do and wants to do through us. Because the reality is he can do way more than us. He can and does save and he uses us to be his hands and feet if we'll stop and let him work. So what does this look like today? I want us to talk about what it means to live a missional life within the daily rhythms of our everyday. What does it look like for us to live a missional life in the midst of the day in and day out of our lives? As we are going, how shall we live? Let me answer that a couple of ways. First, as you go, look for gospel opportunities. As you go, look for gospel opportunities. We see Peter and John seeing this man. They see an opportunity for God to work. Now listen, I want to just kind of address a big thing that's happening here that I think some of you might be thinking. And that question would be, okay, Rusty, so am I supposed to start walking up to strangers and trying to heal them? Should I say, I don't have money, but what I do have, cancer be gone. Can I just tell you, I would not recommend you doing that unless you have a strong, strong, strong word from the Lord. I told the first service, I think the Lord would have to write it with the hand on the wall twice. Because I don't think it's going to happen that way. Now listen to me. Does God still heal? Yes and amen. We pray for healing. In fact, we prayed for healing for several people this morning. We do that regularly, but I don't want you to miss the forest for the trees in this text. This isn't so much about healing this man's physical condition, but this is about healing his soul and saving him. When we go on and read, we didn't do it. I'd encourage you to read the rest of this chapter. Later on, Peter makes it very clear that it was his faith that saved him. Folks, Jesus saves So while I don't think this is a prescriptive text calling us to walk around and try to heal strangers, what I do think this is is a very clear call for us to start looking for gospel opportunities in the midst of everyday life. Something I try to pray every day is, God, help me see people the way you see people. Help me see people the way you see people. We live in a very lonely Sad world today. Statistically speaking, depression, loneliness are really at an all-time high. More people are being diagnosed with depression and really just great sorrow and loneliness. Particularly millennials and Gen Zers are struggling with this. Lots of reasons why, and we're not going to go into that right now, but can I just tell you? It's easy to see in our culture today that we almost avoid engaging people rather than engaging people. We're all looking at our phones instead of talking to each other. And if we don't have our phone, we're staring at the ground hoping we don't have to have a conversation. I'm speaking to some of you right now, right? It's just our natural bent if we're not careful. We don't engage with folks anymore. And I wonder how many interactions we miss Just because we don't have eyes that see the people around us the way that Jesus sees people around us. I'm afraid that if you would have dropped me down 2,000 years ago at the beautiful gate and I was walking by this guy and he said, hey, do you have some money? My fear is that I would have been like, hey, man, I'm sorry, but I'm late to prayer meeting. I got to go. I got to go. 
I would have avoided it. I would have tried to get out of having to interact with him. Church, how many gospel opportunities do we miss on a daily basis? Think about your coworkers. Think about your family members, your classmates. Think about your neighbors. There are people all around us that God has uniquely called and gifted you to be able to engage. Y'all, listen. There are places that you guys are and that you go that this church will never be able to go. There are people that you will get to encounter that I will never get to encounter. Has it occurred to you that perhaps God has put you where you are right now in the situation you're in, in the workplace you're in, in the family you're in, in the neighborhood you're in for the sake of the gospel so that people may hear the name of Jesus? Are we looking for gospel opportunities? Listen. Church, we don't need a mission trip to Africa. We need to just walk across the room. We need to just walk across the street. Hey, I'm all about foreign missions too, so don't think I'm hating on that. But here's the reality. Some of you would rather get on a plane and go to Central America than you would walk across the room and tell your friend about Jesus. And there's something wrong with that. If we're honest, even that is too much for us. Looking for gospel opportunities means that we see people like Jesus sees people, but this is important too. You've got to love people like Jesus loves people. You have to care enough for people and love people enough to want to share Jesus with them, to slow down and show them the love of Christ. For us, that may not mean healing a crippled man, but maybe that means an encouraging conversation with someone you know needs it. Maybe that means... Buying some food for someone who needs it. Maybe that means helping a neighbor finish a project that they're physically unable to complete. I could just go on and on and on and on with possible ideas, but hopefully the Lord is even bringing things to your mind right now. There are tons of ways that we can see need and work to meet needs in the lives of people around us. Looking for gospel opportunities means seeing and loving people the way Jesus sees people and loves people. Looking for tangible ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus. As you go, look for gospel opportunities. The second truth is super important. As you go, proclaim Jesus. As you go, proclaim Jesus. Now listen, this part is harder. I'll just level with you. The sermon up to this point would probably be really, really popular. If I were to edit it down and do this like, hey, you got to do some good stuff and put this on social media, it would get shared. It would be like crossroad viral video, all right? Because we're all about it. Random acts of kindness, benevolence, uh, helping others, doing good to others. It's almost a, a fad in our world today, right? Social media, I think, has done this where we do good things and we make sure we record it so we can put it on there, right? But we want to help others. And let me just say, I'm a sucker for those videos. I will watch like two hours of people doing kind things for people and just cry with the rest of you, all right? It's good stuff, and I'm thankful for that. Sometimes, though, when we see organizations and groups of people, even individuals doing those kind of things, I hear comments like this. People will say, now that's the church being the church. Hang on a second. Don't amen that. I'm going to catch you before you do. Let me just say yes and amen. We want to be a doing church, not just a talking church. But there is a movement in Western Christianity that says something along the lines of this. We should just meet the needs of people and let Jesus do the rest. 
It's been summed up with those phrases you've heard before, like always preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. Friends, I'm here to tell you it's necessary. It's necessary. This isn't what we see the early church doing. They, they didn't just, Peter and John didn't heal this man and then start a healing ministry. They didn't just start setting up a GoFundMe so that they could, they could start buying shoes for this guy, right? Uh, they, they didn't start a soup kitchen. They didn't do any of those things. All of those things are good, but listen to me. These things are worthless if we're not proclaiming Jesus. Peter and John leveraged this opportunity to preach a biblical sermon. Again, I want you to read Acts 3 later today, or this week when you have an opportunity. Here's the outline of that sermon, though. basically says this. You're guilty before God. Jesus is the one who came to save, and you killed him. But that same Jesus is alive and can redeem you today. So we're guilty before God, but Jesus can redeem it. They use this as an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. If we're not careful, we're all about that first point of doing good things. But again, Peter and John didn't get this guy standing up and say, hang on, let me get a selfie to put on the early church Facebook page. Oh, what'd they do? They leveraged this opportunity to make sure that he knew Jesus and to use it as an opportunity to proclaim Jesus to others. This is where the rubber meets the road, friends. Jesus didn't come to just fix social issues. Jesus didn't come to just make this a better planet. Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus came to save sinners. So, yes, we do want to help meet physical needs in our city. You're going to hear practical ways that we can do that this fall. We serve in a ton of ministries and a ton of practical ways to feed people, clothe people, to help people who are battling addictions and other issues. We're on the front lines of working to make Wichita a city that is better than we found it. And that's not going to stop. We believe God's called us to do that, but friends, we cannot stop there and proclaim mission accomplished until we have proclaimed the name of Jesus. As you go, proclaim Jesus. You okay this morning? Everyone take a, everyone take a big breath. It's heavy, isn't it? It's okay. This is the grace of Jesus that's reminding us of a very important truth today. I don't know about you, but I think it's easy sometimes. Some of you, if you're like me, the first thing of as you go, look for gospel opportunities. Sometimes I'm not looking for gospel opportunities. Has anyone ever just stumbled into a gospel opportunity? You're like, what are you doing, God? Like, hey, whoa, whoa, I didn't sign up for this. And we find ourselves in those situations and we do the best we can. But let me just tell you, even if you left here committed to say, Jesus, give me new eyes Give me eyes that see like you see, and you begin to see things and start working to meet needs. Can I tell you, this is going to be another level of difficult for you. But if we really love people like Jesus loves people, then we have to tell them. If we really believe that Jesus saves, then why in the world aren't we telling people? Why in the world aren't we telling people? Here's my prayer for us today. As you go, being led by the Spirit of God, let's look for gospel opportunities and let's proclaim Jesus. Let's see 
people like Jesus sees people. Let's love people like Jesus loves people. And let's proclaim Jesus to people who need Jesus. Lord, thank you for this message today. Lord, it is a difficult call. Yet we recognize today that you didn't just save us from an eternity in hell, but you have saved us to your glorious mission. So, Lord, may we be a people who are all about your mission today. God, I do pray that you would give us eyes to see, hearts to love, and boldness to proclaim your gospel. May we be a people on mission every day for your kingdom's sake. 